Welcome to the Shooting the Cue podcast, presented by Heath Riles Barbecue, with tips, tricks, and an inside look with some of the top pitmasters in the game. Now here's your host, Heath Riles. Welcome back, everybody. We're joined today with my lovely wife, Candace. How are you doing today? I'm great. I've been busy. Been trying busy. Trying to figure out what to get you for Christmas. Well, besides I'm sure. Besides a pile of coal. Besides a pile of coal. Tis the season, that is what they say, and I'm glad you have done 99% of the shopping. You got everything but something for yourself. I didn't know I had a choice. Well, You're I mean, not going to do it. Somebody's got to steer this crazy barbecue ship, so we let you take care of the shopping mostly, and mm. I'll just get you something really nice. And, you know, I've still got a few days left to get you something. You That's know, about use. right. I'll you know, wait till Christmas Eve and hope you can find something. Yeah, yeah. that's the way it goes most of the Pretty time. Pretty much. I mean, but real important, I can tell. We have shot from the hip and it's worked out great. I mean, a lot. It's worked out good. So since you haven't been busy doing shopping for me, you've been busy with other things, right? I've been very busy with other things. Like after what's it been? Six, seven, eight years now I've made these homemade glazes and finally releasing them out to the public. They released on December the fourth. Um and the response has been nothing but overwhelming, to be honest. Um, getting a lot of good feedback, and honestly, everything that I could use it on, people are really up in the ante. And, I mean, now that I've seen other people do it mm-hmm. and sent me messages that we sent boxes to, because we sent out about 80 boxes to people to try the new glazes and all right. that, but people making old fashions with them. And let me tell you, making an old fashioned with the maple honey habanero, I don't think you got a drink of that that day, did you? No. It was really good. Um, you know, we've cooked several recipes now with the cherry uh, apple habanero glaze mixed with my sweet sauce and used it on ribs, which was incredible. And I've uh, done some chicken wing videos. And um, I can tell you, these are going to be some staples in some in some houses. And one of the big things that we did for us during the holiday with the glazes, honestly, is we glazed our hams with the brown sugar honey habanero. Yeah. So do you have a favorite, though, going back to that? I was going to ask you before you started. You know. If you had to pick one. I, I kind of did have a favorite. The maple honey habanero was my favorite until I done that rib recipe with the cherry apple habanero and just the way that I used it and I mixed the sauce 50-50 instead of I'm usually like a maybe a quarter to three quarters of a cup or a quarter to a full cup of sauce. And I went 50-50 to really thin it out and the cherry flavor just come through so strong on those ribs with the competition rub, the way that we cooked them that day. Uh, I mean, your father's still talking about it, you know. Uh, we were at lunch a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how good those ribs were. He loves he cherry anything, though. He's a big cherry fan. Yeah. Well, and I wrapped them up in the <laughs> foil after we had glazed them and given them to him, and he said he didn't do anything but stick them in the oven to warm them up yeah. a few days later. And uh, he said they were actually, you know, he loved them. Um, I, I, you asked me, do I have a favorite? It's kind of hard for me to really nail down the favorite right now because – We've been cooking so much with all three of them during the holidays so far. Uh, I mean, you know, we destroyed the ham. We even made ham biscuits for leftovers out of the brown sugar honey habanero glaze. So you cooked the ham. Uh, You did a video. It was on the Traeger. Um, Why did you cook it on the Traeger? Any reason for that? Or you just... 
Yeah, because honestly, who don't like going out there and pressing that button? I mean, during the holidays, I'm in the house trying to help you make the dressing and all that kind of stuff with six to eight skillets of cornbread and all that. So so sticking the ham and the turkey on the pellet grill when we're there trying to prepare for it and, you know, kind of setting the probes up and when they link to my phone, it, it does make things easy. I'm sorry. And you're getting that, that authentic uh, barbecue smoke taste from your smoker. Uh, some people say that you don't get a lot of smoke, and I, I would have to disagree. The way that the, the technology has come with the smokers and pellets and roll oak having the charcoal pellets and and the, the Traeger, this new Ironwood XL that we've got really uh, bellows smoke like nothing I've ever seen. It does do that. It's really, I mean, you know when it's we cook fish on it. than any that. other Traeger. Yeah, they've done a really good job <clears throat> with that. It's, it's I don't know. Really so good. you... You didn't do a video on this, but, you know, back for Thanksgiving for us to eat, you actually cooked, you normally do like a spiral sliced ham, but we bought a unsliced ham. So do you have a preference when it comes to hams? How do you, are you just, doesn't really matter to you? I, I love the spiral cut ham because it allows the glaze and the rub to maybe get a little get inside, up on the meat kinda. a little bit more. And, and let's face it, when you cook <laughs> it on the pellet grill and after about two and a half hours and those those ham slices have kind of uh, severed apart and the sticky glaze is on them. It looks really good, and it's incredible, and it reminds you of that honey-baked ham at the honey-baked ham store. And, uh, you know, back in the day, your dad used to go, when I started dating you, that was his thing, going to the honey-baked ham store and buying a ham and spending $90 on it till I come along. And it's probably more than that now. It probably They're is. so expensive. I feel like our hams, is I can make them with a crispy sugar coating on them like that, but it come off anyway so yeah. the whole glaze and rub seems to work better for the flavor of what we're wanting for the holidays and we're probably not like most people uh, we cook hams at easter we cook ham at thanksgiving with the turkey and we cook turkey and ham at christmas as well yeah. so do you always finish your hams with a glaze you feel like or yeah i've always I'm made glazes i mean you know whether you take the spice pack out of the hams uh, and mix it with some other things, whether it be some butter, some some bourbon, some honey, some whatever. I mean, you know, adding bourbon in those glaze packs like that and then cooking a little bit of fume off, I mean, getting a kind of a bourbon glazed ham. Uh, and that's another thing. You can take the maple honey habanero or the brown sugar. I haven't tried it with the cherry, but, you know, take you a little bit of butter, your liquor, flambe it off. Flambe it. <laughs> whatever word I'm looking for here, it's kind of burn the alcohol off of it, light it up. Get it done, mix in your glaze with it, and then gently brush it on your ham or your turkey or whatever, and you're going to get that bourbon effect along with it. Uh, and it's kind of whatever your preference is. If you have a cheap bourbon, a high-end bourbon you want to use, which is kind of I would drink the high-end bourbon and use the cheap bourbon to do that with. So how, how, do you know how you're cooking our ham for Christmas yet? You haven't done it yet, but no, coming not really yet. soon. Um, I guess maybe you'll try something different. I am. Um, I'm sure it'll be one of these. Well, you know, we've done the brown sugar honey habanero at Thanksgiving, and so it's definitely going to either be the maple or the cherry. And if um, – I think your your sister's whole family's coming, so we might have to end up I'm cooking sure. two hams. And so I'll do one of each, but I'm kind of unsure at the moment. I feel like hams are so different now. Did your grandmother ever do – like I remember – her like my grandmother sometimes taking like the old school hams and doing the toothpick and then sticking the cherries and it was all like pretty and uh, well 
first it was the pineapple ring, and then you like darted the toothpick with the cherry, the cherry in there, and the they the cooked them in the oven and stuff. Yeah, but my grandmother never bought a spiral cut ham. She always bought a whole bone-in green I, ham, and she would score it like. I think that's what you my know, grandmother cut your, did. Cut your scores in it. I, I could be wrong. And all that. Know. And she done like what you said. She would do the pineapple and cherry sometimes, but then later on in life, I feel like she got away from that. And she got to doing these Coca-Cola hams. Yeah. Pouring a <laughs> bottle of Coke or a, or a Coke over it. And as it cooked, she would take the turkey baster and suck the Coke up and baste it over the ham and let all those sugars kind of caramelize and crystallize on the ham. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about uh, my family. We're t- I know we're talking about hams, but there was one year, and I don't remember what holiday. I'd have to ask my dad, but my my grandfather was very – you never had the pleasure to meet him, but y'all, y'all would have gotten along great. But he just liked to try all kinds of things. One year, he did something with our turkey, and it turned purple because he had used, like, grape juice or something. Wine, grape juice, I don't remember what Injecting it was. Injecting it in it? Yes. And so, like, when we are going to eat turkey, it's, like, purple. purple. And it's because he, that day, had decided, you know, I'm going to do this. It was just always something random with him. <laughs> it just made me think about it. Oh, my, my grandmother and the ham. The one time my grandfather did the turkey and it was purple. Well, I mean, that's that's totally understandable. So back to you kind of touched on the ribs that you did with the cherry apple. Um, those were some big, meaty ribs. I mean, they were. They, they say they were St. Louis ribs, but I almost feel like they were close to a full rack of spare ribs. Well, they were baby packs. Oh, they were baby they were packs. Baby I'm thinking about ribs. the other ribs I cooked after that. No, I'm talking about the, the cherry apple ones. They were that, some very meaty ribs. Those were probably four-and-a-half-pound baby back ribs. They yeah. were huge slabs, huge. They and you did those on the Traeger as well? Done those on the Traeger as well. Why? Um, you know, <laughs> Easy. I mean, I like cooking on the Traeger grill at home. Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, I, I like cooking on my Outlaw. I think I, I might have had it fired up that day, too. And a lot of times when I cook, I'm filming two or three recipes at a time. And I may not release it this week. It may come out the next week, uh, things like that. But, I, I mean, I, I like all those grills. Um, and it seems like to me that in today's society, a lot of people are favoring the pellet grills. Yeah, I'm not true. saying that they're – the best thing since sliced loaf bread, but I think it does really help. Uh, some people are not pure charcoal enthusiasts, enthusiasts like you. You, for instance, uh, you don't like a heavy charcoal taste on something. I don't. Um, you know, you like the, the really light kiss of smoke from the pellet grill. And I guess it depends on people's preferences because, you know, it's some good food that can come off a pellet grill. I mean, yeah. so... It, it just depends on how much smoke you like. Now, competition-wise, I'm going to have to fire up that old stick burner. Or either that deep south gravity fed. I like what it does, too. But that, those are, are my backwoods water smoker. It depends on what I'm doing of what I'm going to cook. But it's hard not to throw something on the pellet grill or a little family patio stick burner out there or the PK or the gateway drum uh, just to cook a, a family meal. And those are still all those cookers you can take to a contest and win with them if you want to work them. So... Back to the ribs, how did you cook those ribs? Like, what was your whole process on the Traeger? You know, I kept it pretty straight up like I do my competition ribs as far as the flavor profile. I used the garlic jalapeno as a base. 
I used a competition rub after that, just threw them on. They probably went for two and a half hours, and I wrapped them in plain butter bath and let them go and then pulled them out. And now the sauce combination is where it got a little bit different. Memphis and May, I mixed several things in my sauce. I just took my sweet sauce and the cherry uh, apple habanero and mixed it 50-50, nothing else. Heated it up in a little pot on the same grill while the ribs were going and glazed them up with just that 50-50 glaze. And the cherry flavor that come through that, like you said, your dad loved it. And uh, I think I dusted a little bit more competition rub yeah. right on top after I brushed the glaze on and kind of stuck them back on the pit a few I minutes. know they were very tender because um, I remember you picking them up. and They broke. Yeah. One of them broke and one didn't. But Start then you were able to slice it and it held together. So I mean, you know, it's a trick with those baby back ribs. I mean, it's the way you hold them and you got to get them just to the point of falling apart but still been able to hold together and then break apart well i think because you had said you were trying to get them around 206 and then when you put the thermo pin in they were a little over that but yeah that's they were like not 208 209 and you, yeah you know i could have left them out there and vented them on the counter yeah. five minutes and and shocked them down and and you know there's so many little tricks if somebody wants the bones to stay in them right then and there you could have stuck them and chilled them to bring them down faster and and that would have locked that temperature down a lot faster. But that, those are just some of those competition secrets. If you ever accidentally overcook one at home, you can't rest. Well, and you it. spritz those ribs with water. But I was about to say, I wonder, do you think you could? You probably wouldn't want to spritz because of the sugar in these, would you? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would. Uh, my glazes are pretty thin, uh, but I don't think it would spritz too good out yeah, of a spritzer. But not. I'm like you. Depending on what temp you were cooking at and which cooker you were cooking on, you probably wouldn't want to put that on like the gateway drum too soon because it's yeah. gonna crystallize pretty it fast. Cooks a lot faster. But like on the Traeger, it would take a while for it to really get dark and crystallize and caramelize True. a lot. Uh, it kind of depends on what you were cooking on. So uh, that would be interesting, I guess, to spray or or baste it layer after layer is what you're asking. Yeah, well, and I was even thinking, like, and it might just be too sweet, really, but how you always mix the butter bath with apple juice, like, it's almost like you could do a part of apple juice, but then maybe a, a portion, because like you said, oh, the, done that. the consistency is thin. I actually, uh, I don't remember. Now, I have not filmed a video on this. I was going to say, I don't I have not filmed a video. know that I was this present just for that. playing at home. I took, you know, I always do three-quarter cup yes. of mixed butter bath in the foil. I actually took it to a half cup and then used a half a cup of the glaze. Oh, so you still mixed the well. butter bath with the apple juice like normal. Yes. You didn't mix this in with it That's per right. se. So butter bath down on the full half cup and then a half cup on back of the ribs once you lay that down in. And that's kind of my go-to. Need to get that? We're going to start a jar here. Every time your phone rings, you're going to put like $5 in it. And at the end of the show, I'm going to keep it all. Yeah, Maybe we should go up to 20 bucks. Yeah, well, if you get if you do 20 bucks, you probably get $100 every time. Good. That Let's right start there. that. Y'all y'all remind me of that. Let's get this the Candace jar here. I mean, my bad. It happens. <laughs> I mean, I'm a busy man. I can't help it. Was it I spam? It. Huh? Was it spam? No, it was not spam. It was somebody calling, wanting some rub, I think. But we will call them back. Um, we have a website they can order from, <laughs> or they could go to the local Kroger or Walmart. Yeah, you're right. 
Oh, the local mom and pops. Yes. Or Lowe's. It depends where they are. I don't know where they were calling Ace from. Ace Hardware. I don't know where they were calling from, so. Uh, you don't know either, apparently. Yeah, I do. They're, they're from down south way. <laughs> down south way. So, you know, leading into that, those ribs were very good. Um, the glazes have done very well. Recipes that we've cooked with them through the holidays have been great so far. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and tease this now. You know, i done some other glazes when i done these, an apple and pineapple. And who knows? I guess I'm going to take a poll off this podcast, and let's see how many people, who's interested in an apple and a pineapple glaze? I saw a few comments. I'm not, I don't mean anything by this, but I did see some people mention they wish there was a peach. Did you see those comments? I did. I know I there's did. a lot of other peach out there, though, so. I don't know too many peach glazes. Okay. I've um I've worked on a peach, but it's not a peach glaze like this. Yeah. It's more of a peach barbecue type glaze, uh, like a peach chipotle type glaze. Well, and I feel like some people, um, I was reading something the other day online, and I don't remember exactly which social media platform, but. I think some people are still scared because it says habanero, and that's not the impression that I take from these. I've tasted all of them. I mean, does it have a little bit of spice? Yes, but is it enough to, just because it has the word habanero, oh, I don't need that because I don't like spicy? No, um, that that's not. No, my... on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate these? Two? Two for you for three. Spice? I don't. Not a lot. I'm. I'm gonna say it's four and a half to five. That's kind of well. You are very sensitive to spice. I feel like a lot more sensitive than me. Like I like spicy stuff. You don't. Well, I've ate it by the spoonfuls for years, trying you to ate determine it. ate it, eating it. Uh, however, it. you want to say it, drank it, pinched it off. Uh, <laughs> I've done it all. Let's just say that and. The amount of raw spice consumed uh, and uh, MSG. That's why you're getting that gray hair, MSG. Yeah. And that's uh, probably the cavicola salami, too. I don't know. Uh, gray hair? Yeah. I was talking about the gray hair. Oh, that's about Not chin. your chin. Probably salami. You know how I am about them cold cuts. Uh, <laughs> Stupid. I'm saying four and a half to five. That's what I shot for. Uh, count on the heat level of my other stuff, the way I determine it. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, but it works good with the sauces I mixed them in and I was, how I've done it before. I will say during testing, like still, like you said, that was a long time. But there was a, at one point, they were hot. We got to a little bit too hot of a point and, and then, had to come back. And that's kind of where I was at. When you go one more percent up from where I'm at now, it's such a notable difference. It is that it was unpleasant to me yeah. and I didn't gear these toward competition and maybe I will come out with a extra spicy or a twice the heat or whatever later on, uh, depending if it calls for it. But I, you know, I don't know it. Um, uh, I don't want nothing to burn me up. I've had some burn me up before and I just didn't want that. Yeah. And as they, the habanero set, these are really fresh. It will gain a little spice over time. So, you know, what we were testing, and, and we went on for years yeah. testing glazes, 
And, you know, a lot of people does not understand the process that I go through to, to bring products to market and do now. I'm just not doing it and throwing it out there. And and these glazes, I've done them for so long and, and things like that, that I just want to be 100% sure that everything would work out instead of just doing small batches. So a lot of testing went into this uh, to ensure that. And, and I had five. I had six to come out with at once, but it's such a huge cost increase that – I wanted to release the first three, these first three first, and we'll see what happens from there. Maybe two or three more will come. Who knows? All right. We had a few questions um, kind of through the last few weeks that we've gotten that I was going to kind of touch on maybe. Um, so people always are questioning your seasoning habits. A lot of times people have comments about, oh, my gosh, that's so much seasoning. Or, you know, why do you have to use so much? Or why do you use so many different rubs? Can you touch on that broad, you know, as far as how much and why do you, again, I feel like we're at the same question we've answered before. Why do you choose to layer? Uh, I like the layering because I like to kind of stack flavor profiles. And that's that's, that's just me. Um, If somebody does not like doing it that way, they don't have to do it that way. And I... I'm not going to go into a rant saying everybody can do things their own way, but that's basically what this is. I mean, it's just the way that I season mine. You don't have to season yours that way. Um, I've cooked for a long time, and I'm looking for maximum flavor. And, you know, seasoning up high and getting an even spread on your meat and getting a good even layer, and you've heard me preach that, and you know when you over-season how the rub looks on meat – well, I think these questions, a, and I guess I wasn't clear. I think some of these questions were specifically about the ribs. But no, sorry, okay. that's well, my fault for not being clear. Well, and that's that, fine. Some people do say I put too much rub on ribs, but those people have never won a world championship. Those people have never won over seventy grand championships and a half million dollars in prize money over time. And those people are probably still working for somebody else. So, don't want to be negative when I say that, but. Flavor works. Uh, some people like flavor, and I'm one of those that likes a little bit of flavor in my life. All right, then. So, but so depending on the size of the meat, is that how you judge how much rub to put on it, though? Like, for instance, like a whole hog versus a slab of ribs. But even on ribs, you still put what some people say is a lot. But well, you know, just, is it just push, the pork? Depending on how marbled it up that piece of meat is how big it is depends on how much moisture is going to push out of it so how much of that rub is really going to stick to that meat and how much is going to end up getting pushed off of different spices in that rub what is going to stick to it and what's going to get pushed off yeah and there's no really i'm sure there's some science behind it somewhere uh but nobody's ever done studies that i know of of how much actually comes off during the cooking process and it depends on how you cook it how much moisture is in the air how much is in your cooking chamber all that has a lot to do with that how much is going to come off did you pull it at the right time to wrap it those ribs how much of that rub is going to wash off in the wrap i mean a lot of that's got to do with that if that a lot of people i mean you know we've cooked with people before that couldn't stop spritzing their ribs and then when it come time to wrap their ribs all their bark would wash off because they kept the bark wet the whole time and it never got a chance to stick to the ribs. So that's actually one of the questions about the smear test. A lot of people complain about the bark rubbing off when cooking ribs at home. 
again, can you tell us what the smear test is, how to properly do it, and any tips and tricks, which is where you were kind of going with that statement, I think. But Well, let's pretend that this table right here is a slab of ribs. You take, your, ribs. you take your finger and you lay it on the rib and you go like that. <laughs> and if your finger smears that rub away and there's nothing but a line of meat, it's not ready to be wrapped. If you can rub your finger over it, I'm not saying press down on it and try to drag Make it where your fingernail, fingernail and, and scrape it. Like key in a car or anything How like do you that. Know, like, that's like, I wouldn't know. I just oh, okay. apparently seen it on the internet one time. Uh, but my point is you get what I'm saying. It's yeah. not going to wipe off. And that's a smear test or you can, I don't, I don't, I guess I started that. I don't know. A lot of people say that about the whole wipe test with the fingernail, but uh, you know, that's something wipe I've done. Test. I like you know, or smearing it, wipe it, touch it, whatever you want to say. Pat it. Pat it. Um, all right. Another question on uh, on the rib video that we're talking about. You kind of stretched the meat out this time versus where you normally kind of scrunch it. Can you explain that again? I know you kind of talked about it in the video, but there have been some questions and comments about why you did that versus the scrunching like if i'm cooking a rib that is two and a half to three pounds in weight scrunching it up to make it uniform and cook consistently is fine those ribs that we were cooking those two slabs that i cooked for that video weighed four and a half to five pounds a piece they already had a good inch and a half to two inches of meat on top of the bone and in my opinion if you just squash those ribs up you would have made them even taller, which would have made them longer for them to cook. Yeah. And it was kind of chilly that day. I was filming outside in December. And so I stretched them out, and they were still thicker than most of the ribs that I squished together. And that's just a judgment call. That's completely yeah. up to the person cooking uh, if they do that or not. And you've got to be able to make that call with the weight of the ribs and how you trim them and how long you want them to cook for and how many beers you want to drink while you're cooking. Um, so the ribs were hitting 160 before you're wrapping them, but you ended up letting them go for another 20 to 30 minutes. Why did you do that? So basically, you The know, rub was not stuck all the way, if I'm not mistaken. That's been several weeks ago, but I'm pretty sure when I raised the grill lid to check them, they just was not the they rub. They didn't feel right. They didn't feel So like that's that. where I'm going with that. How do you know... Some people feel like you have to go by temperature. You can only go by temperature. It's at this temperature. I have to do this because it's here. But that's not always the case. Well, no two pieces of meat cook the same. No two animals are raised the same way or had the same life. And so there's no way possible for you to make that determination. And that's just you got to make that call on that piece of meat of how it feels. And you know when – we started dating and got married and I started teaching you how to cook ribs. Is there any way to teach you feel of that rib? No. Could I pick it up and show you and try to describe to you what I was feeling? No. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you could try, but. And, but then you would touch it and, and you would go, no, I'm not getting that. Yeah, I'm getting that. You had to get your own feel for that rib. Well, I feel like there's a certain way you kind of have to, to do it too, or at least maybe that's just my that's what I think. Well, your hands are smaller than mine, too, just like how picking up a rib. Well, like, it. I have a certain way that when it's laying on a smoker, a certain way that I move it to know what that feel is to me. And you probably have the same thing. Like, I have a certain way I do it. With that knife? No. Oh. 
I mean, yeah, I can do it with that, but no. Where I used to flick with, the rib I'd, after it was glazed up. I never, I, I know what you're talking about, but no, I, you, you can look at the how the, tender one is. Yeah, with that, but it's not going to be the same as feeling it with your hand. Yeah. And me, I would take a rib knife sometimes and slide under that rib, which is glazed up, you know. You take a baby back, it's got that arch in it. So you slide your, your cake spatula knife in it. Everybody's seen me use them or a, a nice slicer knife or whatever. And slide up in there, and you get about halfway down that rib, and you can kind of pick it up. Yeah. And if you'll notice on that loin up top, if you start seeing a crease wanting to go across it like a line in the sand – and it tilts at a 45-degree angle, that's about a telltale sign. That rib is tender right where it needs to be perfect. And I'd just about be willing to bet the line at Vegas that's going to be somewhere between 204 and 208, depending on the rib and what temp you cooked at. So talking about the temp, when the ribs are wrapped and sometimes you just shove the thermometer through the foil and sometimes you go too far, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean by that? What causes that? How do you prevent that? There's no way to prevent it. You just done it on accident. You just got too forceful. Next to the bone, basically, is what you're saying. When you when you, I mean, you can kind of take a thermopin, and when you go in a rib like that, it's best to unwrap them. But when they get really close for me, I do stick to the pull. Sometimes I'm I'm lazy, like some people. Not gonna lie about it. Instead of opening them up and burning my fingers, Uh, but you got to be careful. You know how a piece of meat to trick you. You can stick the tip of the thermopin in, and it'll read one thing. And then as you ease it in, the temp will either increase or decrease. Yeah. And wherever you find that that spot out of where it increases or decreases in the middle right there, that's kind of where your your center point of that meat is at, and that's your true temperature. Uh, and that, depending on the thickness of the meat, you know, if it's less than three-quarters of an inch or an inch, you know, like ribs sometimes that thick, it's really hard to make that call without unwrapping that foil. And, and that's what's really helpful about ribs. If those two big bones on the end are popping through, you can just about bet your ribs are going to be just about ready or either ready right then. So you're talking about like the bone pull. So the bone what, pulling through the membrane or the what, fat on one okay, end. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Bones. Explain that because I feel like some people don't necessarily Well, if they don't have a thermometer that. and you cook a slab of ribs, your two biggest bones on the end of the slab, when they pop all the way out of the the membrane or the meat or whatever's on the back of the rib, uh, the skin, uh, when they pop out all the way, it seems like the, the whole rib is done then. Yeah. Uh, because the rest of the bones get, get to a regular size and they're in between the meat and all that, right? And those other bones are kind of shallow on the surface. They're so big. And it seems like to me, like I said, when they pop out or start to pop out, that's when the rest of that rib is perfect. That's why you don't see a lot of barbecue teams turn in those end one to two end bones down there. They always knock them off and kind of get their bite test on that side. And they got the other six or seven bones to choose from for that box. So coming up, you're cooking a prime rib, right? I am. I am. Tomorrow I've got to go to the grocery store, finish getting the few things I need, and I'm cooking it on Thursday. And so, How are you uh, going to cook it? What do you mean how am I going to cook it? I'm going to cook it on the Traeger. Uh, I'm going to cook low and slow, um, and just try to put out a good piece of meat. I mean, that's the truth. Uh, and that's the key to a prime rib is cooking it low and slow. So it will be medium rare all the way through to rare. Yeah. Uh, when you cook it kind of hot or you try to grill off a prime rib, you know, it always kind of really cooks the meat well done in the first inch or two of the meat. And it's only uh, red in the center. 
But when you smoke a prime rib and you're really anything under 250 and under, to me, that prime rib just turns out so much better. So much better. Are you a big fan of prime rib? I do like prime rib depending on how it's prepared and the slice that I get. Yeah. Um, I don't like um, the strip end of the of the the whole loin. Yeah. Um, I really like the chuck end. It's more tender, you know, where you try heart steaks and stuff come from. I really like that end of it. Um, but I do have to be in the mood to eat a, a whole piece of prime rib, yeah. I am more of a beef tenderloin person uh, these days. Yeah, I'm not as a I've big gotten older. prime rib fan. I mean, I'll eat it. I just, I don't know. I guess I'm always picky about I don't like a fatty piece of meat, and I feel like with prime rib, you kind of just, yeah. sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Well, the prime rib that we're doing here, uh, we're doing, I'm planning on cooking the prime rib, and with the leftovers out of this video, I'm planning on making some prime rib sliders. That is kind of my plan. We always, it seems like we always have a little, you know, a, a chunk of a, a prime rib because depending on the thickness, y'all sometimes don't eat but a half inch thick. We don't eat big inch and a half pieces of prime rib. The family don't because there's always so many sides and stuff. Um, and so I think I'm going to take that and I've got that new slicer that I got and I'm going to slice it down and I'm going to put it on some King's Hawaiian rolls with some cheese and get some cream. That onion rice. jack cheese would be really good. Oh, that boar's, that boar's head, head onion, onion jack, jack cheese. cheese. That would be really good. Maybe the store will have it and I will get that <laughs> to try on instead of provolone or, or Swiss. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to go provolone or Swiss on the prime rib sliders yet. I just told you onion jack. Well, if they've got the <laughs> onion jack, I'll get the onion jack. But, I, you know, the last time I went to, the, to Kroger, they didn't have the onion jack. Hmm. They were out of it. Yeah. Well, it you know, I time. guess I could get, they do have the little blocks over there. In the section and when it's not in the deli i forgot about those i only go over there for our daughter's quesadilla cheese she's well i mean that's she's got to have it for her little quesadillas yeah. and her avocado and her corn uh you know so this is pretty much the last episode and we're going to take year. us a little three-week break to get through christmas and new year's eve and then we're going to come back uh, the week before we go to Cape Girardeau, Missouri to go to the Smoking Brothers event up there for the indoor Wind Pigs Fly Barbecue Bash. So you'll be going this year with me, right? I don't know yet. Maybe. I hope so. I I'd hope like so to go. To make it. Um, what are you looking forward to for, for Christmas and New Year's, I guess? But um, You know... I don't really need anything for Christmas. I've got all I could ever ask I didn't for. Ask what you wanted. No, I'm, I mean I know you didn't, <laughs> but I'm just saying. To? What am I looking forward to? I, I honestly just spending time with family and friends, and um, and just maybe getting a little little deer hunting at some point. Uh, I know we've been super busy, um, but honestly, just seeing Collins on Christmas morning, I think I'm I'm looking forward to that. After first, Ho Ho comes. After Ho Ho comes, uh, she I think it's going to be a good Ho -Ho. highlight. Uh, you know, she's about to be two, so she's getting in that stage where Santa Claus is going to be really big for her. She's about to be two. This, but this will be her second Christmas. But last Christmas, she was what, like eight or nine months old, I guess. Well, you know, Santa Claus. She just seen Santa Claus the other day, and Ho -Ho. Uh, a few weeks ago, Ho Ho, and she was kind of scared of Santa Claus. <laughs> bless her heart, but. Uh, she warms up. She finally warmed up a little bit. 
uh, right before, just a little bit ish. ish. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm, of course, I'm looking forward to eating because uh, we always cook a lot of good food and have a lot of food. So I know she's gonna be mad when the Christmas trees come down. I hope you realize she, that she is gonna be real mad. upset. But we're not leaving the Christmas tree up. No, 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 no. But she's gonna be real upset. I mean, the Christmas trees have been up since November the first at our house. November first. Your point. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed following along today and listening to us here on Shooting the Queue. It's been an incredible 2023 so far, and we're going to come back on January the 9th and kind of recap 2023 and talk about some of our favorite recipes and favorite visits and some of the things that we've done. But uh, I just want to tell everybody thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, it's been incredible season two of the podcast and just learning something new every time and uh, looking forward to uh, shooting the queue in 2024 with you. Thank you for tuning in to the shooting the queue podcast. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or through our website. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Leave us a review. If you enjoyed the show until next time, keep shooting the queue.